this is something that I get asked a lot is what the volume it takes to make a significant difference, not only for income, but also all of the other benefits of owning rental property. And so today I'm very excited to have Howard Goodman back. And our goal is gonna to be to discuss the benefits of owning just a few properties. And for our examples, we're gonna use the number four and really what type of difference that can make for you while you're still working from a tax liability perspective. So thank you so much for joining us today, Howard. Hey, thank you uh, very much, Leah. As always, I really appreciate Omniki's involvement in educating their investors and potential investors about tax issues. Uh, they can often seem very complicated at first, but my goal here is to reduce things to bullet points that are easily understandable. And of course, we'll have questions and answers um, along the way. Uh, if I could see the first Absolutely. slide, please. So before we get started, as always, just a couple little disclaimers to go over. Everything we're going to talk about is our best recommendation based on years of experience, but of course we do not have a crystal ball. And so we want to make sure that you are verifying what works best for your investment and tax strategy with the professionals in your life. Okay, uh, the first thing I need to do is just present a brief disclaimer, which I'll read that this presentation's content is provided for informational and educational purposes only. Um, any accounting, business, or tax advice contained in the presentation is not intended to be a thorough, in-depth analysis of specific issues related to your particular financial situation, nor is it a substitute for a formal opinion. Um, as you can all imagine, everyone has individual financial situations, and whether your income is 100,000 or a million, or whether you have two properties or eight, um, whether you're married or not married, there are so many variables, I couldn't possibly address them all here. But again, you will get a very solid basic understanding of depreciation. Also for your convenience, I'll mention very quickly, there are some hyperlinks here. And of course, I'm not responsible for the content of those uh, third-party links, but I did feel that they would be very helpful and informational to all of you. Uh, the agenda today, we're going to talk about tax avoidance, which is bad, and tax reduction, which is perfectly legal and something we want to do. I will talk about the virtuous cycle of investing in rental properties and how the more and more you invest, the more and more you can reduce your taxes. I'll discuss the difference between operating expenses, which are immediately deductible, and capital improvements in your property, which is not. I'll talk a little bit about Form 1040 Schedule E, which is where in your tax return you can actually take these deductions. I will go into depreciation deductions in depth, what they are and how they work. I'll talk about accelerated depreciation with cost segregation, uh, which is a way where um, you can hire an engineering firm basically to do a study that can actually improve um, the deductions that you take. Um, I will also mention something to be aware of, which is depreciation recapture. I'll describe that when we get to that slide. We'll talk a little bit about Section 1031 exchanges, which is a way to further defer your taxes as you move from one property or one set of properties into another. And then, of course, I'll have some links and uh, we'll have a Q&A session. Tax avoidance versus tax reduction. Um, a lot of people, when they attend these seminars or say they're going to send, attend these seminars, they say, I'm going to find a great way to avoid paying taxes. 
Well, that's not what we want to do because tax avoidance is actually illegal. That's when you owe taxes to the government and you refuse to pay them. What we're talking about here is tax reduction, legal ways based on the IRS tax law that you can reduce your taxes. And as you know, the government actually changes the laws quite frequently in order to encourage business, encourage investment. So tax reduction is fine as long as we follow the rules. Um, by owning rental properties, and I'm skipping down to the last bullet, um, you can use these tax reduction strategies to improve your current cash flow, which you can then use to then own more rental properties in a virtuous cycle. You reduce your taxes now, obviously you're paying less out of pocket, that's more cash in your pocket, that's more money to invest. So operating expenses, just about anything you spend related to your rental property, it can be deducted immediately from your rental income, as long as it's not a capital improvement. So expenses can be, again, anything from utilities, property management fees, taxes, uh, mortgage interest, insurance on your property. Um, it could be simple repairs, like maybe you're doing some repainting, um, changing light bulbs, that sort of thing. It could be travel. If you're traveling to your rental property because you go once a year or twice a year, just to check up on it, see how things are doing, those expenses are immediately deductible against your income. The capital improvement, on the other hand, is a larger expense, the result of the property becoming more valuable than when you purchased it, such as a kitchen or bath remodeling, updating the wiring and the plumbing, foundation work, et cetera. Again, the idea is if you bought the property for $100,000 and you do this work and now it's worth 105 or 110 or 125, that is a capital improvement. The money you spend cannot be deducted immediately against your income because it, it is considered part of the property that is depreciated. And of course, next we'll start talking about depreciation. Um, before we get into depreciation real quick though, this is what your Form 1040 Schedule E looks like regarding your deductions. I know the lines are a little small, but essentially it's a profit and loss statement where you have income on lines three and four, and your expenses, including some of the categories I discussed before, are listed below in lines five through 17. And then there's that beautiful line, 18 depreciation expense. And that's what we're going to go into next. Depreciation deductions. So depreciation is a government determined calculation of the loss of value on your rental property asset over time. Rental property specifically can be depreciated or expensed over 27 and a half years. There are some slightly separate rules for foreign property. Sometimes I get that question, uh, but we can discuss that later if anyone has a question on that. Land, by the way, is not included in the calculation of depreciation because as you can imagine, if the building itself wasn't there, the land would remain. The land does not depreciate over time. Um, again, for example, if you have a $275,000 property um, that after taking land out, of course, um, you would get depreciation or an additional expense on your tax return of $10,000 per year. Capital improvements, as I mentioned before, are also depreciated, uh, but it's in a separate calculation. Once you purchase, depending on what that purchase is, it can be depreciated over a shorter amount of time than 27 and a half years, but you cannot take that expense right away. Next slide, please. Thank you. So here are some sample tax effects, and this is really getting into the meat of you know, what we really care about. What does depreciation do for you after you've taken your basic 
expenses as far as running your rental property business. So let's say you're in the 22% tax bracket. Um, that's generally people who are married filing jointly. They're earning or their taxable income is between $80,000 and $171,000, a pretty broad range. If you have $10,000 of depreciation, as we explained in the last example, and your tax bracket is 22%, you will be saving $2,200 in tax. Again, as you go up in tax bracket, 24% and 32%, and I won't walk through all of them, but obviously as you have more income, you're in a higher tax bracket, those tax savings go up and up. So here's an example that I put, um, and it's really sort of what the focus was of this whole presentation. Let's say you have $100,000 in taxable income and you own four properties, what's the effect? Well, that if you're married filing jointly puts you solidly in the 22% tax bracket. And again, you would get $2,200 in tax savings per property. Multiply that by four properties, your tax savings are $8,800. I looked back at the 2019 income tax table and said, well, what would a person who had $100,000 in taxable income, what would their tax burden be? That tax burden is $8,684, assuming that there's a standard deduction taken. Um, that means you had $8,684 of tax you would have owed, you have 8,800 of potential tax savings on the depreciation. And in the end, essentially, you will not be owing any tax that year. That cash is now in your pocket. Now, there's some additional depreciation um, that can also happen. Um, a cost segregation study divides the property into different categories of assets that can be depreciated at different speeds. We spoke before about the, the entire property itself being depreciable over 27 and a half years, which is a pretty long amount of time. However, um, there are engineering firms that you can pay to do a cost segregation study. And what they essentially do is they break down that rental property into different pieces. And they say, well, you know, the plumbing, you know, that will depreciate and become relatively worthless over 15 years, let's say. And on top of that, there are special laws in the IRS code that actually allow you to depreciate property um, that will depreciate that quickly. It's a little hard to describe, I apologize, but you can take that depreciation all at once, the same as a utilities expense or a mortgage expense. Again, maybe you have you know, dishwashers, appliances and whatnot in the property. The engineering firm goes in, they say you have about $10,000 worth of these appliances. Those only last about five years, special government rules, you can expense it all at once. So now you don't have to wait 27 and a half years to expense or depreciate everything. You can depreciate a certain part of that property immediately, along with the other expenses, which generates just a huge potential tax loss that you can actually carry forward if you don't actually use it in the current year. Um, here's an example of how cost segregation works. Again, this is probably one of the more complicated aspects of this discussion, which is why I wanted to put a third party slide in here. Um, again, if you look over at the left, the depreciation on this particular asset they're talking about, which had a purchase price of 345,000 and a basis of 310,000. So that's after you take out the land and potentially some depreciation that already happened. 
if you have on the left uh, passive income or essentially rental income of 45,000, you have some operating expenses, again, the utilities, the interest, um, insurance, et cetera. Then you take your standard 27 and a half year depreciation, your taxable income is 23,000 and change and the tax owed is 5,000 and change. If you move to the right, uh, with cost segregation, you have the same income, of course, $45,000, the same operating expenses of $10,000, but because the engineering firm has gone in there and figured out that certain pieces of that property can be depreciated more rapidly, you can actually depreciate $33,000 in change in that first year instead of just $11,000. Your taxable income therefore goes way down and your taxes are practically zero compared to the 5,000 plus beforehand, resulting in a tax savings of almost $5,000. Of course, the situation will be different depending on every property and the property basis and the amount of depreciation, but this is the general idea and it works in all cases. One thing to be aware of, if for some reason you don't have a long-term hold strategy or don't plan to do 1031 exchanges, which we will discuss a little later is depreciation recapture. So if you take all of these expenses, uh, basically it's going to reduce the basis for essentially what, what the home is worth from a tax perspective. And the way gain is calculated when you sell a property, if you can imagine this, um, let's say you purchase a property for $500,000 and you don't take anything else into account and you sell it for 600,000. Obviously that's a gain of $100,000. If you wound up taking a lot of depreciation over time and some of this accelerated depreciation, um, uh, you actually, actually lower that. I'm sorry, I was getting a little feedback there for a while, but um, you would lower that basis, your cost basis of 500,000 by the depreciation. If you did 200,000 of depreciation over time, that home, the basis now goes from 500,000, what you paid down to 300. When you sell it for 600, now your gain is $300. So, or, excuse me, 300,000. So the more depreciation you take and the faster you take it, that basis goes down very, very far, very, very fast. And if you sell it right away, all of a sudden you'll have this big gain that you don't really want. Depreciation recapture, what that means is that when you have that big sort of artificial gain, because all, all of those wonderful tax savings you've taken, the government is going to want to tax you on a larger gain. Um, again, a little hard to describe, you know, even in words, but um, we have something that can prevent you from paying those large gains after you've taken that large depreciation to give you tax savings. And what that is, is a 1031 exchange, which I'll describe next. So a section 1031 exchange allows you to defer the payment capital gains tax on the sale of rental property. Um, what capital gains tax is, is again, it's paid on the difference between your sale price and the basis of the property. And the basis is essentially what you paid for it, what you put into it as far as remodeling, less any depreciation that you've taken. So again, our goal by taking this depreciation and even some accelerated depreciation is to save taxes, but that also does lower your basis quite a bit. Um, so for most people, the capital gains tax rate is 15%. So again, if you can imagine taking 15% uh, 
times um, in the example I gave before, a gain of $300,000, that's quite a bit of tax that you would have. The way we can defer the tax, again, I won't use the word avoid, but there are rules that depending on how you identify and purchase a replacement property um, through a 1031 exchange, you can actually defer or essentially not pay that capital gains tax on sale of a property because you're just taking the money, selling something and reinvesting it in something else and the government wants to encourage that. They want you to build your portfolio. That um, is the end of the bulk of my presentation. Um, I have some additional resources here because I always like people to be able to go to the IRS website directly, um, read directly what the rules and regulations say as opposed to how I explained it. Um, and also there's a little more detail and what if situations in, you know, on the IRS website. Um, I am now ready, unless Leah, you want something to say uh, right now, I will take uh, any questions and answers. Um, again, the one thing I will say, if you have a question that says, my situation is this, or I make this much money, I won't be able to give you necessarily an accurate answer uh, because there's so much about your personal financial situation I don't know, but I would love to answer general questions about depreciation, tax rates, and that sort of thing. Perfect. Okay, so let's look. At this point, I don't see that we have any questions. So what I will do is just encourage anybody with any follow-up questions to contact Howard directly. And that way you can answer those on an individual basis, maybe more tailored to you know, what each person is looking for. Absolutely. And I'll be more than glad to take your questions after the presentation is over as well. Absolutely. So this is all Howard's information here. And we have a lot more topics we're going to be covering over the next few weeks. And I'm actually going to be bringing Howard back shortly to talk about the COVID effect and the tax delays and everything else that's going on in light of this coronavirus and how it's changing taxes and filing and all of that. So that'll be another class shortly upcoming. And then we announced all of our next two months of classes earlier this week. So if you haven't had a chance to get on there yet and take a look at that, I think that uh, you'll be very happy with that schedule. So we're gonna do a repairs class schedule and we're gonna go over the new home warranty with all of the updated offerings, reduced pricing and different service options that specifically help property management side of home warranties as it pertains to window units and other coverages. We're gonna do a, another series talking about AC changes and different things that have happened in the in just air conditioning industry in general with Freon, Puron, the scarcity of Freon, lack of production, and when it is time to replace versus repair. And then we're gonna focus on a few other different things pertaining to overall maintenance and repairs and things to be aware of in Texas and in general as we deal with everything going on. We're also gonna do next week, I actually rescheduled a class and we are gonna do a COVID update. We're gonna go over an update in the market. We're gonna go over an update in the laws. As many of you are aware, the moratorium did expire. And so we have begun filing Fannie Mae evictions. There is a 30 day window and a lot of different requirements for those backed mortgages. I do expect that they're going to re-up some type of moratorium, perhaps more at the state level but we're gonna take advantage of it while we can, but we're gonna do an update going over everything, including some massive employment growth changes and opportunities that have presented in North Texas, also in Houston. 
since coronavirus. So very interesting things going on in light of all of the negative news. We're going to present uh, some positives too. So anyhow, all of those classes are posted up to Facebook. As always, you can join through there. And then, of course, for those of you on our exclusive investor list, we have a robust class schedule there as well. And then we're also going to be doing an intro and overview of the new investor portal, kind of showing you all, all the different ways that you can use it and the new built-in calculator that will allow you to run your own performance right through the page, which I don't know if it's been posted yet, but it's going to be up shortly. So lots of great things happening. As always, if you need to reach me, you guys know how. Otherwise, I hope everybody has a fantastic week and we'll look forward to seeing you for another class for the exclusive list later on this week. Otherwise, I will see you next week with a COVID update. Take care, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Leah. Thank you so much, Howard.